This is Winning IR, a podcast exploring the diverse insights within the IR community. Join me, Mark Faskin, as I sit down with IROs and other IR stakeholders to discuss the winning strategies, tactics, and shifts in thinking that are redefining the profession. The evolution of IR over the last few decades has enabled, at times, a siloed practice full of tick boxes and routine. But an important question has surfaced amongst the IR community. How can we get more people at the company to understand and contribute to our IR efforts? Today's guest is Jeremy Cohen, who recently took on the position of Vice President Investor Relations at Alight Solutions. At the time of recording, Jeremy was the Senior Vice President of Investor Relations at Edelman Smithfield. Jeremy is an active member and board member of the Neary Chicago Chapter and Neary 40 Under 40 recipient, whose diverse experience in IR at Morningstar, GoGo, and now Edelman Smithfield has given him unique insight into what it takes to make an IR program genuinely successful. I sat down with Jeremy to talk about what he calls a total stakeholder approach to IR, how it can be used to get a seat at the strategic table, and practical tips and advice for IR teams looking to leverage the benefits that come with working more cross-functionally within their company. Hey, Jeremy, how's it going? Good, Mark. Nice to be with you today. Yeah, yeah glad you could make it. Um, so today we're going to be discussing how IROs can implement what you call a total stakeholder approach. Can you define what that means for our listeners before we start? Sure. Um, so look, every day an IRO is living and breathing, talking to uh, sell-side analysts, buy-side analysts, portfolio managers, right? And, you know, we're communicating at many different, in many different channels, right? Whether it's at conferences, whether it's during earnings, whether it's on social media. And I think we have to recognize that everything we say and do is not just touching in the investment community, right? It's touching customers. They're listening. Competitors are listening. Employees are listening. Media is listening. Vendors are listening. So what a total stakeholder approach really means is that when we're communicating, when we have a communication strategy, we have nuanced messaging for each each different stakeholder uh, to make sure that um, you know what we're saying is effective for their own needs. Um, so that's kind of what I mean by a total stakeholder approach is that just that we're accounting for everybody uh, in a three sixty way, and not just focus on the investment community. Okay, great. And so one topic that comes up a lot is how IROs can. I'm doing air quotes here for those that can't see it, get a seat at the table yeah, and be more involved in strategic discussions and strategic planning. Can you explain why you think IRO should be involved in those discussions? Sure. So look, it's my view, and I don't think I made this up, but that the IRO's job is really to be a de facto chief intelligence officer. So obviously, like I said, that's a made up title, um, but I think it really speaks to the broad set of knowledge that an IRO must possess. Um, so what this means is that, you know, the, the investor relations officer, they really have a pulse on Wall Street, right? They understand perceptions and what it takes to evolve them. So look, every day we're in the trenches, we hear, you know, the good, often the bad, sometimes the ugly, right? <laughs> so, you know, it's our job to really synthesize the information that we're taking in from all different, all different types of, uh, analysts. Um, and because we have such deep institutional knowledge, um, you know, we're able to uh, take that information and really prepare and arm executives um, with the right information so that when they are going to make decisions, right, strategic decisions, um, they are accounting for what Wall Street is thinking. So it's, it's really important for IRA to have a seat at the table because they possess all this, 
all this institutional knowledge that really nobody else in the company has, at least not the breadth of it and the depth of it. Um, so I'd say, you know, in some companies, an IRO doesn't necessarily have a seat at the table. Maybe IR is just a necessity of being public. But I think the companies that do IR well, the IRO really does have the ear of the executives and telling them how it is, right? And not, and not necessarily just telling them the good, it also just, you know, what is the bad. So I think that's, I think that's really the big reason why an IRO should have a seat at the table is because they are, they are the ones who are possessing the most knowledge with this very important uh, stakeholder. And so, obviously, in your seat at, at Edelman, I mean, you work with tons of different companies. Yeah. Do you see that that's kind of a, there's a different approach there when you look at sort of in-house IROs versus third parties or consultants like like Edelman? Yeah. So, look, I've had the privilege of being both in-house uh, with GoGo, the in-flight Wi-Fi company, and also now with Edelman for the past five years. Uh, you know, I'd say the biggest difference is breadth versus depth. Right. And so, you know, in consulting, you know, we work with many different companies who are at many different stages of the life cycle, see many different strategic situations, whether it's M&A, whether it's activism, whether it's executive transitions, but often at arm's length, right? Because we're not in-house. So it's our job really to deepen our relationships and really embed ourselves in the organization. And so, you know, I think if you met one company, you met one company and each company has a different philosophy on how they engage consultants. But I think the ones that do it really well are the ones that, you know, want to want to take some direction from consultants and and our job is to really help them see around corners um so i think when you're in-house it's all about depth right it's the cross-functional nature to the role it's not just finance and communications and there's really a need to deeply understand both your industry and your peers um so you know i think that there's there's nuances to both um i think that you know either way there's a strategic mindset that a consultant or an in-house iro must have um, to, you know, ensure that the company is driving forward. So a lot of this comes back to when you talk about this total stakeholder approach and, and having seat at the table and, and IR being involved, it seems like a lot of it revolves around this idea of like having that you know, deep, deep industry expertise or, or deep understanding of the company. Um, and something that I've, I've heard in, in other, uh, episodes and other uh, interviews that we've done so what can IROs do to become that expert, to build those strong relationships um, across the organization? Yeah. Look, I, I think a lot of people think this, but I think really for IR, you know, my biggest piece of advice is really become the hub of the wheel. Um, I think a lot of people like to think they are. I really think IR does actually possess that role. So I think about that both internally and externally, right? So internally, like I said, it's not just finance and communications, but it's also legal. It's also marketing. It's also operations. It's strategy. Sometimes it's customer service. So really it's, you know, we're learning a lot of different languages. Um, you know, if you have engineering, you know, I'd say go work, talk to people on your engineering team, understand what they're doing on a day to day basis. If you have R and D, talk to them and you don't need to become an expert on those fields, but to have a working knowledge so that you have like a full understanding of what goes on at the company, I think is really, really important. Um, especially because you're going to be pulling information from all these people. Um, and pushing and frankly pushing it back out at times. So um really being at the center is really critical. Um just so you have a really deep, deep knowledge of the company. I was just gonna say you had a really good example when we spoke um last week about your experience at GoGo and sort of yeah. you know how that seems on the surface like this very straightforward business model, but it, it actually has a lot of moving parts. It's like how did you go about kind of making those relationships in your time at GoGo? Yeah, I think my time at Gogo was 
a unique example because, like I said, it's, like you said, it's not just a company that's a straightforward business, right? It's aviation, it's telecom, it's satellite, it's internet. So you really need to be an expert in many different areas and many different industries. Um, and that requires talking to many different people to speak many different languages because you don't know which type of analyst you're going to come across, right? GoGo had analysts who focus in the satellite industry. We had analysts who focus on aviation. So you really need to be knowledgeable in many different industries. Um, and that requires talking to many different types of experts and they live across, they live across your company and you just need to be able to find them. So a lot of the times what we would do is we'd work with sales to push out information to them about our strategic decisions. You know, our, what is our narrative? Um, so that when they're talking to an airline, right, they're telling the same story. Now it's a little nuanced, but that's the, that's really the importance of IR. When I talk about cross-functional nature of the role is what we're communicating can layer down to other parts of the company. And so we want sales and IR and we want HR and IR, you know, to all be speaking the same language, right? Same with public relations, public relations and IR. I know you're doing another session on this, but it's so critical that they're aligned and telling the same story. And so by having those internal relationships, you're able to, you know, ultimately, you know, build a rapport and build consistency across the organization. So I think that's, I think yeah. that's the critical part with building internal relationships. Yeah, and it seems to be uh, also a, a trend that that I've heard in a few different discussions, which is like, there's sometimes this misconception of you know IR should be really focused on sort of the financial metrics and the, and the earnings call and and everything, and there, there seems to be this growing sentiment that it, it needs to be more than than that, right? I think yeah. that's it's always been the case, but there seems to be a lot of people that are advocating for the idea of like IR needs to be more than just the quarterly report. And, and really carrying through that like mission and vision and, yeah. and the overall business strategy, which, which I think is super interesting. And, and it, it brings up a question that, that I was thinking through as, as you mentioned that, which is, you know, I've heard a number of discussions over the years about people saying, you know, in earnings calls or in AGMs or, you know, investor days, getting all the different departments involved, like bringing in different department heads. Is that something that, that you've seen work in previous roles or that, you know, you, you recommend to your clients at, at Edelman? Yeah, it's a it's a good question, and I'd say if you've met one company, you've met one company. I think I've said that before. There's a balance between having too many cooks in the kitchen and you know being efficient and getting things done, right? So I think it's okay. I think the clients who do it best probably have a small and trusted group, but that small and trusted group is taking the opinions on the side from other parts of the organization. So it's accounting for everybody, but it's not everybody in the room at the same time. Well, I mean, it, it, I think at the end of the day, what it's coming down to is it really needs to be carefully planned out, right? It's not like you yeah. can just communicate once in a in an all hands right. with the strategy <laughs> and everything is, and then expect that that's gonna yeah. that that's gonna follow through. I mean, even to your point earlier of saying, you know, you need to be really thoughtful about who are the different audiences that you're communicating this message to, and how does it need to be be structured in in the right way. There's one, one other question we didn't really touch on in terms of becoming an expert and building those relationships. Are there sort of tangible steps that you take or, you know, playbook that you have in your seat at Edelman? Like you go into these companies that, you know, maybe you, you, you don't know much about. Um, and so you, your team has to go in and learn a lot about them. So are there steps that you take beyond just, Hey, we just got to get in there and have a bunch of conversations? Yeah. Look, I think what a company can do from the communications perspective to, you know, really enact a effective communication strategy, which I think is like the core of the question you're asking is, you know, get buy-in across the organization. So what that means is, yeah, you can have a lot of conversations, but we need to really have a viewpoint on, you know, why my company is in an attractive industry. You know, what is my company's economic moat? 
why is our growth strategy compelling? How does it impact our margin profile, right? What is our long-term guidance framework, capital allocation framework? So I think having a buy-in is really critical. And that's kind of laddering back to our last question of, you know, getting other stakeholders within the company involved, right? And it's not necessarily having them have a seat at the table for communications, but making sure that their voice is accounted for. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And my, my, I think my next question is just sort of around tips because it, you know, it's partly about crafting an effective communication strategy, but I'm also thinking about an IRO who's coming into a new company or is perhaps in a role where they're feeling like the messaging isn't very strong or, or you know, needs some work. What are some tips that you would give to those people? To, to get the resources and the attention required, right? Because it's a, it's a big, it's a big project. Yeah. I think there's two things I would say is first off, consume, 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 right? Taking as much information as you can. And, you know, the art of what we do is synthesizing what matters, right? So, you know, when you, and have a framework for what you think your investor narrative is. So and I kind of laid out a little bit of what that looks like, right? What, what is the, why, why I should be focused on this industry? Why I should be focused on this company? Right. Uh, the growth story, the, you know, profitability story, the sustainability, uh, of that story. So, you know, I think that's part one is just consume as much information as you can and really figure out what matters. It's when you first come to a company, you know, you kind of had this like, you're, you are fortunate enough to have this, this third party angle, right? Where you're not necessarily embedded fully in the company. So you get to go on a listening tour of sorts, whether that's with internal participants, right? Which I, we already talked about. Or external participants, right? And so what does that mean? You know, it's beyond investors. Um, you know, it could be meeting with vendors, it could be meeting with customers, industry experts, you know, your bankers, your consultants, um, dedicated journalists to the industry, right? Get, get as much information from many different angles as you can. So I think that's part one. And then part two is make sure you have a champion in the company. And what I mean by that is whether it's your CFO or CEO or COO, have somebody that's willing to, you know, partner with you. Uh, and, you know, recognize how critical this is to the company going forward, right? Um, you know, a narrative can often seem, you know, passive, um, but it, it has a lot of tentacles across the organization and really does drive perceptions with many, many different stakeholders. So having a champion in the C-suite uh, that you can work alongside with and, you know, drive this forward with other participants in the company, I think is really critical. That seems like it's it's a probably a huge challenge, right? Of like getting that attention, getting those resources. And so I would imagine you see some instances where there's pushback or or resistance, right, from maybe management who perhaps are busy and, and they, they don't have the time to sit down and do these workshops and everything that are required. What have you seen work uh, in terms of getting their attention and ensuring that they're investing the time and resources into, into ensuring that there's a strong communication strategy? Yeah, this is where you arm them with the data, right? Hard data, right? It's It's one thing to come with your opinions, but if you're coming with hard data of what investors are saying, right? That perks their ears up. Whether it's, you know, good information or whether it's information that's bad about the company, about management. Um, you know, often you see that happen during perception studies, but you know, every day we're doing perception studies in, in essence, right? Every day, every time you talk to an investor, there's a, there's a perception that you're hearing. So, you know, I think relaying that information back is probably the most effective tool to getting an executive's attention. You know, and once you have their attention, if you get any, if somebody within the deeper in the organization gets an email from the CEO or CFO, you know, they're going to, you know, obviously pay attention to that and work closely with the IRO to make sure that they're getting, the IRO is getting what they need. That's what I mean by having a champion, you know, you know, not everybody know, not everybody in the organization even knows what investor relations is. It's our job to help teach them that. But in the case, where, in the cases where they don't, then you need that champion to help kind of push everything forward for you. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's an interesting idea, right? Like you can take all the notes from the meetings, obviously, that you're having. It's like, hey, these are the questions that are being asked of us. And clearly, clearly they're being asked because some aspect of the communication strategy is not effective or it's not yeah. clear. Um, do you, would you then also look at things like equity research? I think the perception study is a great one where you could be reading be reading a research report and it's like this analyst may not fully understand the strategy. Are those the types of sources that you, yeah. you're pulling from? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, frankly, I think that equity research is something that just get letters up to the management team, but also even to the board of directors. Um, you know, you want your board to be armed with the right perceptions um, and what people are saying about the companies so that they can do be effective in their job of guiding management. So, yeah, I think equity research is absolutely critical in that regard. What about the retail side of things? Does your team put a lot of time into looking at social channels and things like that? Yeah, it's, you know, look, it's incremental. I, you know, I mean, for an IRO, your biggest ROI is working with institutional investors. Um, I think certain organizations, you know, certainly those are that are B2C companies, you know, they have a little bit more of a retail presence. Um, and it's important to keep an eye on them. Um, it's hard to communicate to everybody. Often you'll see that happen in an annual meeting. It's something you more keep an eye on um, and make sure that your credibility is being, you know, protected rather yeah. than necessarily engaging deeply. It's just, it's just time, right? I mean, your time is best spent with institutional investors, but that's not to say that retail is unimportant. It's just that your ROI is much greater with institutional investors. And so I think my last question here is how do you actually measure some of this, right? I mean, so you've identified, say there's a, there's a challenge. You've found that champion who's going to spend the time and resources. You go through a project like this, reworking the messaging and whatnot. How do you work with clients or what do you suggest to, to IROs to say like, okay, we've done this project. How do we actually track whether it is effective, whether people are understanding our communications and, and our messaging? Yeah. Okay. I don't think there's a good answer where you're going to get hard data. That's going to tell you because it's all qualitative. I think it's, it's seeing the progression of understanding of the company, seeing the progression of, you know, your analysts and how deep their relationship is within the company. I mean, are they talking to just the CEO and CFO? Or are they asking to talk to the CMO? Are they asking to talk to the CTO? Right. There's those little nuances where you can tell if your story is being communicated effectively because they want more. Right. And so, and, and as you, as you replay it back to them, are they understanding? Are they telling you the same story that you're telling them? Right. And so that's kind of, that's unfortunately the the best way to tell if their story is being communicated effectively. I wish I could tell you there's hard science behind it, but a lot yeah. of what we do is art. No, well, no, I think that's great. And I mean, I, I've heard that before people talking about, you know, changes of strategy and how do you measure whether it's working. And a lot of people have said it's really about the conversations you're having with investors, right? To your point, yeah. are they repeating back the message that you're putting out there? Right. It doesn't happen overnight, right? It's a, I think this is one of those things where it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Um, and you just got to invest the time and, and be consistent. Yeah. And, I, and I'd say, you know, have key messages, key overarching messages to your story. And don't be afraid to repeat those, right? I mean, it takes, it takes everybody, you know, hearing things three, four, five times to really absorb a message. So, you know, don't be afraid to repeat yourself, especially if it's a key message. One thing I like to do with my, our clients is tell them, you know, during earnings, especially reverse engineer what you want your analyst note to be and kind of use that almost as your guide for how you're going to message the quarter. Yeah, I think that's great. Kind of the key points, don't don't try and cram too much into the earnings call, decide on what those are and then build everything around yeah. it. I mean, if it, so if you want your story for the quarter to be about margin expansion, you know, and you, that's what you want the analyst to say uh, and the headline of their note after the quarter, then make sure the key message you're getting across is margin expansion and say it more than yeah. once. Yeah, awesome. Jeremy, this has been great. 
Really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to do this again sometime soon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Winning IR. For more winning ideas, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Irwin, a better way to manage investor relations. For more information, visit www.getirwin.com. 